Welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast, leading the way in the business of medicine. Now here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. The EDGE podcast is brought to you today by the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. Our goal is to discuss healthy business principles, have conversations on the business side of medicine, so that you and your practice can thrive, be profitable, and successful for years to come. I'm excited about our topic of discussion today because it's one that we have not tackled yet. And it is, how does a physician know when it's the right time to sell their practice or possibly purchase a practice? And what are the steps to get started on that? And that is called valuation. With me this week to tackle this topic, I welcome fellow NSCHBC member, Alex Nache. Alex is a certified valuation analyst and a senior valuation consultant with Transition Consultants. Alex has successfully guided numerous clients in selling their healthcare practices and routinely performs valuations and fair market value appraisals of physician practices throughout the country. So we're very lucky to have him on our podcast today as a subject matter expert. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Terry. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited about this topic today because, again, it's not one we've done before. And I have to say, this is something that I eventually or sometimes get a question from my clients. You know, I'm thinking of selling, but I really don't know, you know, where to start. And so how would I really prepare this? So let me throw, you know, just to get started, throw something out there. So when a physician or practice ponders the idea of selling their business, how do they know it's the right time to sell? Great question. Uh, I think that overall, it's it's more of a lifestyle changing uh, event. You know, physicians usually, from our experience uh, in medical practices, especially, they, they don't sell more than like once a, once in their lifetime. So, um, when it's time to retire, um, occasionally physicians obviously move. That would be the time that they sell as well. Quite often, physicians I want to say that they wait too long before they start planning this. Uh, we get calls multiple times a month where physician is, you know, maybe ill, some some kind of life life changing effect, event happened, and they need to do this as soon as possible. I think planning ahead is goes a long way. It takes about a year to sell normally, and contacting someone who is experienced in practice sales or even evaluations would be a great place to start. And so it's it's interesting you said that because sometimes I've noticed that on occasion when a physician brings this up to me, and it's funny because I thought my job was hard. I mean, I'm in the revenue cycle management part. I, I think what you do is just very tough, but I get physicians that basically, like you said, they wait too long or they really say, should I just put an ad somewhere? And I, I, obviously this is not my subject matter, but as a financial practice financial evaluator, Alex, what are the first steps that you take to start the process? So let's say a physician, whether they waited too long or they, they were proactive and, you know, um, knew what they needed to do. What's the first thing you do in, in your process um, as far as to sell a physician's practice? Well, first, obviously, after speaking to, to the physician and understanding what they want to accomplish, their timeline is obviously very important. Uh, we need to understand the practice. So we start by gathering information on the practice, and that could be you know, financials, uh, practice metrics on like CPT reports, payer mix reports, and trying to understand where the practice is at. Usually I think the valuation is a great place to start just because, you know, again, I get calls every day where 
physicians sometimes even have a buyer, they just don't know where to go. Uh, or the buyers, also buyers call us and say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this practice and, and the doctor wants X amount for it, uh, what do I do? So Viation is, is, is a great tool. It's, it's really, really invaluable, honestly, because you don't necessarily need it. Uh, you don't need to share it with the other party. It's more so for you to understand what the practice is worth and you can apply it either to an existing deal or start planning for, for the future to sell any here. I, a lot of the times when you do when I do a valuation, I can tell um, you know what can be done to the practice potentially in the next year or two years, maybe the, phys the physician has before they have to sell so that they can prove the value and really sell on their terms. Quite often physicians sell after they started cutting their scheduling, slowing down. So it's, it's a real problem. Doctors work a lot. They, they love their work a lot of times and they get burned out. So when the time comes to retire, they probably just redu reduce their schedule, you know, right. 20%, 50%. And that affects the value. And so when they, when they call me, they, they tell me, oh, but if, if, if the buyer works full time, they can make twice as much as my money as, as, I, as I'm making now. And, or they can advertise online and they do all these these great things and they're great ideas and you know there's some value to that but buyers often can be reluctant to pay for that you know it, it's like a function of is it me who's going to be putting in the work to to make make that cash flow make that revenue come into the door so i think um not slowing down is very very important well, it's interesting what you said too, because you, you said something that kind of sparked my attention that it sounds like getting your practice valuation isn't necessarily um, always tied into, are you ready to sell? It's it's a good thing to have peace of mind. How much is my practice worth? Because you never know what could happen, correct? Yes, definitely. I have clients that do valuation for every year. They Sometimes it's a growing practice. They have other physicians coming on board and they want to know, you know the value. Sometimes it's, it's just planning for retirement, knowing what it's worth, what the market, is, what, what the market looks like. So. And then seeing if you need to add some providers or, you know, or sell or wherever you're at. So valuation, and that's really great to bring to our listeners, you know, for those of you that haven't done an appraisal of your practice or evaluation of your practice, regardless if you're, you know, trying to, to sell it, it sounds like, don't you really want to know what your practice is worth? Because, and you might have run into this, Alex, in, in your, your travels as a consultant like me, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, and I get this, people want to purchase my business, for example. And I'm not trying to be arrogant about it, but without me in my business, it's not worth what, what it could be without me in it because, I mean, it's Terry Fletcher Consulting. So just transferring that to a physician practice, especially a solo practice, you know, um, I would think part of your valuation, and correct me if I'm wrong, also talks about if that, pay, if that provider leaves versus if they stay and, and what is included with that sale, such as their ancillary staff, administrative staff, if they've got any mid-level providers. Is that part of, of your process when you evaluate a practice? Yeah, so a couple of things here. I've met so many physicians that think their practice is worth nothing. It's, it's really funny, actually. Um, they think it's worth they, how much? Nothing? They think it's worth nothing. Because a lot of times, oh. if, if the doctor especially is really good, 
they think I'm the practice. And, you know, there, there, there's truth to that, but at the same time, it's all about the value as well. So okay, good. it might, be, might not be nothing, but it might be something. So it depends on the specialty. A lot of times, like, you know, primary care, probably easier, right? Unless you're some super amazing doctor and you see a high volume of patients, you know, but if you're a plastic surgeon, for example, then yeah, and that's like another extreme where people go there for you, for your name, most likely, especially if it's a solo practice, uh, especially if the practice is your name as opposed to some, you know, business name. So you, it, it's a case by case scenario. I think physicians don't want to just close the doors. Um, if you could, they could get something for it. You know, it might take some time. Some things might sell within, you know, six months. Some practices that are maybe where the, where the physician is, um, is very prominent might take, you know, a year, sometimes two years. Like I've sold a, uh, a practice it was mostly a cosmetic dermatology um in beverly hills area okay. and the doctor was producing a, on his own four million dollars okay wow and this is such a it's such a rare thing to see yeah. you know someone and it's all cosmetic it's like injections basically we still sold it like it took me i think less than a year actually wow. so there are buyers out there you just need to position the practice correctly and and sort of have enough time to sell. And the second thing I want to touch on, you, you asked me about the employees, right? And other providers. Yeah. So from my experience and what I've seen, employees are pretty much always going to stay. We don't tell employees about the sale until it's very close to closing. I know it sounds a little bit sketchy, but you don't want to create any sense of uh, you know, worry among right, the staff. That, yeah. Like if it takes a year to sell, you don't want to tell them now and they're going to worry for a year. Uh, most of the time, buyers going to meet with them before the sale happens. They will maybe even give them a raise. Uh, like I, I just sold a practice in Georgia and all the providers get huge raises uh, because, you know, the buyer just wanted to keep them happy. So staff pretty much always stays because in the end of the day, patients want to come into the same office, see the same uh, receptionist and keep, although the doctor is going to change if there is a transition that is you know, well thought out, they will stay. Providers, so other providers, like not non-owners, right. but whether it's doctors, whether it's mid-level providers, such as, you know, PAs and nurse practitioners, uh, a crucial part of the practice, the buyer will definitely want them to stay and keep them happy. So they will most likely require that they sign on, that they, they would sign employment agreements with the buyer before this, the deal goes down because, like, for example, the, the practice in Georgia, there was a one owner and there were four mid-levels. And those four mid-levels, if you think about it, they account for more than half of revenue. I say that's uh, a lot. <laughs> easily. So it wouldn't make sense for the buyer to buy this thing if, they, if they're going to walk. So, yeah, it's very important that they stay. Wow, that's crazy. But it's funny that you mention it because, you know, I, I mentioned my business versus, you know, a single practitioner who has their name on the door. You know, for our listeners, one thing to keep in mind as you're pondering this question, you know, what is your practice worth? Remember, as you are thinking about this, and even if in if you contact Alex to help you with this process, um, you know, patients aren't just about 
the provider. They are also about familiarity and comfort, and that includes ancillary staff, administrative staff, front desk, who they see when they walk in, and yes, mid-level providers. And I think sometimes that's missed in the overall, but people have to realize the older you get, the more you like things to stay the same. <laughs> you like routine. Yeah. I know that's where I'm at. And you like routine. You like, you know, you like the same decor. You like the same chair. You know, you just like everything pretty consistent with what you're used to. And, and I think sometimes, especially the older practices and patients can walk in and see, you know, a transformation of what they thought was homey. And all of a sudden it's this new you know, uh, modern office, and it's it can be a scary thing. So I'm sure that that kind of comes into it. So question um, that is interesting, you, you said it to average time is anywhere from maybe six months to a year could be longer. Do you notice that it's different with specialty versus primary care? I think it depends on the practice mostly. So not, first of all, not all specialty practices sell. Oh, a lot okay. of times practices that sell are usually the out, outpatient focused practices. Okay. Um, and it's just, I think some specialists, they get paid a lot and they, they, so ultimately the value, and I'm touching upon different, different yeah. topics here, but ultimately yeah. the value comes from the premium that you get for running your own business, as opposed to having a job. So if a primary care doctor can go make, I don't know, 200, let's say 200, $250,000 a year, if you're owns his own practice and runs it, right? Taking on a risk and is a full-time provider there. He expects to make more than 200, 250,000, right? right? You're taking on this risk. So you want to make more. And that's where the, really the, the Delta, that's where the value comes in. Most of the time, the, the practices still sell, even if they don't make more than the value of their labor, but it's just, it, it's all about their earning capacity potential it's it's all economics so like the, the buyers are buying this thing because they want to make more money it's, it's an economic decision do you also counsel on so let's say that somebody came to you to figure out what the value is of their practice and you come up with a number and do you talk to them also about should they try and sell it versus should they try to merge with somebody else or should they you know consider other options as far as selling it outright is that something you also counsel on I suggest you consider all scenarios, all options, okay. every kind of buyer is okay. You want to keep an open mind because it's such a niche thing. Like, like it's not an easy thing to sell the practice. So you want to keep an open mind. Uh, some, I get some clients that, that just don't want to sell to private equity group or even like a large group. So they don't, they just don't care. I'm they, seeing a lot of that nowadays, the private be, equity. Yeah. Yeah, and some 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 physicians resent it. You know, they they, they want they want the, the patients to stay with independent provider that's going to care for them, and um, you know, keep it I guess more simple than just a money machine. So, I I say, if you can sell outright, great. If you have someone in your practice that is already working for you and uh, maybe an associate that might be interested. Hey, it's so that much easier to sell to them if they're interested. The patients already know them. You know them. The transition period will be easy. Financing probably will be easy. So, I. Uh, but but if you don't have any options and you have to sell to private equity group and, you know, it's okay uh, for you ethically, then then do that. 
Okay. Now here's probably the same question, but with a couple of questions within it. So when it's finding the right buyer versus the right time to sell, one thing that I've noticed, I was actually reading Becker's Hospital Review, and they were saying that physician ownership is actually down for the first time in five years, you know, to 45% of all, well, they, they looks like they surveyed about eight specialty uh, um, physicians. Uh, practices and looked at about 300 practices, which I thought was interesting because I do know there's a lot of mergers, a lot of acquisitions, like you said, a lot of the, um, you know, th different things going on, private equity firms that are taking a lot of hospitals or picking up practices. But now with, and I hate to throw out inflation, but with the, you know, cost, operating costs are, you know, going up and staffing shortages and things like that. And some physicians are just kind of getting frustrated how how do you find buyers in in this climate because it it seems like right now i would think that your services are so valuable right now because who wants to have to go look on their own so how how do you work through that process based on where we're at right now we had a really great year this year in terms of practice sales and valuation so the, the activities was nice. remains high but as we all know, and as you mentioned from the Becker's um, publication, that physicians don't go into private practice anymore. And it's been the trend for years now. So you still have independent doctors and entrepreneurial doctors that want to be in their own, in their own practice and, and, and be you know, uh, their own sort of boss. Right? There, there are definitely benefits with it to, to, to owning your own practice. The bureaucracy of it is what I think forces a lot of physicians to sell because you know the, the requirements are just from insurance companies getting more difficult and more difficult to comply with. The reimburse, reimbursements are not as good, so it just makes it more challenging. But again, there are buyers still. I think it was 40, 40, 40, 40, 45, 40, 40 or forty-five percent of physicians still practice in their own. Yeah, it was forty-five. They're on their own business. I think with inflation, and I think COVID probably, you know, obviously goes hand in hand with that. I think there has been a drop in volume, in patient volume. Again, depends on it depends on the specialty. Like I know pediatric practices really struggle um, because you know just kids didn't get sick, so they didn't go to the doctor. So revenues dropped quite a bit for the for, for that for that specialty uh, practices that are that are like more cosmetic, for example, you know, med spas, again, dermatology practices, people will hold, were holding off to go to those specialists. And then the end of last year, they just got swamped and, and, they, and this, they're beating like all their records this year uh, due to this volume and disposable income that people have. Um, but the inflation, I think wage inflation is definitely the worst I've seen practices in the last couple of years their overhead going up quite a bit because they just have first of all you have to pay a lot of money to your staff because they can go and, and get a job somewhere else and two finding staff is becoming a problem i mean it we is. all know about this the great yeah. resignation and whatnot but uh, i have practices on in new york where they tell me hey i have to i have to have four people instead of two people because just it is impossible to find anyone to work as hard as they, as they used to. I have people in Washington, like on the, on the opposite coast where they just can't find anyone at all to work. 
like in San Jose area they'll practice. So it's there are challenges to that, but I don't think it's gonna be like this forever, you know. Um, yeah, there's challenges to everything, but it's interesting. How do you find buyers? What's your process and and looking for that? It's not just placing an ad, right? No, so it's so finding two things. Finding buyers maybe not the most important thing. It's actually going through the process and closing the deal. Okay. Um, placing it out is one thing, but you have to filter through everyone. So we advertise like online, we do ads in, in journals. Uh, we have a really large database actually, I think it's very valuable where we, we have buyers reach out to us in, you know, in the past. And it's a great source for us uh, where I can, a lot of them I, I already know, or I, I, I talked, spoke to them and I know they're, they're serious because you will get a lot of weird inquiries. Um, you want to keep your seller's confidentiality in mind as well. So we have, I, we speak to every single person that inquires in the practice before we give them a non-disclosure agreement. They sign a non-disclosure agreement, then we'll check their license, making sure you know, they're, you know, they're real, they, they, sound, they sound good to us before we share some more confidential information on the practice. And then it's a process of just sorting through them and finding kind of it, it it's like a it's a not just getting as many nda signed as possible it's also about finding the, the right person i think because ultimately you want seller and buyer to get along as well you know you need to click right now how does the physician know if they're getting a good deal an outcome with all of this what what are your comparables or how how do you how do you look at that for them so valuation is a great way to start to know if you're getting a good deal or not it's also a deal structure i think a lot of times physicians forget about that you know they think only in dollar amounts like okay i can get a million dollars for, for the practice or i can get five hundred thousand dollars for the practice but you need to understand do you need to be on the hook for like seller financing or are you going to get all the uh, or, or the buyer is going to go to the bank and get the money are you are you happy with the transition length? Because sometimes transition is very important. You need to stay to introduce the, your patients to the new doctor, new buyer. And transition could be, you know, a few months, could be six months, could be a year. Every buyer is a little bit different. Uh, and their comfort level, comfort level is different. Some offers come in, they will give you 50% down, 50%, you know, over the next few years. So it, it, you got to look at the overall picture first you start with understanding what the thing is worth through evaluation and then you start comparing that to the the offers that you get and the deal structure that that is present there, there seems like a lot of moving parts to the to the whole process between valuation you know like what is it really worth how long does it take to sell and then um you know who how you find those buyers and then the steps from from that point, you know, what, what, like you said, what is the structure of that, that sale, um, et cetera. And do you help with, if they need it, do you help with financing and at least give them options there or, or referrals to that? Yeah. So we, we refer to banks and it's, you know, there are most major banks have programs for physicians. So if you have a medical license, you have an MD, you know, you can go, and get 100% financing, oh, wow. as long as the practice is decent, you know, it has yeah. cash flow, less capacity, yeah, obviously, yeah. they do their own sort of uh, underwriting. And it's not difficult. I think, you know, we had really low rates for a while. But it, I think 
physicians in a good, great place. So if you find a good practice, you can get 100% financing, you can get some working capital as well. And, you know, it, it's, it's a great alternative to opening your own practice from the start. I mean, think about it. If, you, if, if you're going to go and open an office, you have to sign the lease, get the equipment, hire staff, you know, you're going to be on the hook for all these expenses and you have zero money coming in day one, day two, probably. So, um, or you can, you, you will spend a few hundred thousand dollars to start up, to the startup, I would imagine, two, three hundred thousand wow. easily. Here so you can might pay. might be an option to buy a practice even. Yeah, maybe as much, maybe a little bit more, whatever it may be, depends on the practice, but you, you're making money day one, right? And you pair that with financing, it's, it's I think it's a, it's a great idea. That's awesome. So just to, just to kind of, um, you know, finish up our conversation here. Now, thinking about the practices that you've sold and um, practices that you've helped physician purchases and everything, and some of the follow-up you've done, I would think you'd get a lot of repeat business from success. Um, have you found that overall that this process, obviously you like what you do and sounds like you're very successful at it. Have you found that, you know, physicians, really come back to to you as as far as you know if they need they need the help again or refer a lot put you so on the, the spot there, Alex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love i love I, I love valuations and i get a lot of repeat clients uh i love practice sales practice sales as well it's, it's, nice. it's a different animal but we get because practice sales is i think is a more i guess i said physicians usually sell practice once in their lifetime maybe twice so we a lot of the referrals that come in are you know, word of mouth. That's that's the way we usually get our clients. That's awesome. But we have it's funny because we have sold several practices multiple times. Wow, it's, it's really? really? Not not many. There were a few. Like it, yeah. it's very funny. And then uh, on the buyer side, yes, we we do have a lot more than sales. Obviously, we have repeat buyers. So I think if if, if the transition is done right, the buyer and seller are happy the the practice will succeed that's that's what we would like to see at the end of the day we want everyone to be happy we want, we want the buyer to be happy we want the seller to be happy we believe that if the deal is skewed one way or the other a lot of times you know it might not close or something might go wrong so we are very straightforward and and, and forthcoming in what we think and I like that. we want everyone to succeed so transparency is key as well very important yes very more important yeah, very so tough. If you had one thing to basically just in, in closing and talking to our our um, listeners, would it be that regardless if you're ready to sell or wondering if you should sell or you think that could be a possibility down the line, do you think it, it's the time you know to get a practice valuation? It, it really couldn't hurt and, and give you peace of mind. Definitely. I think valuation is a great tool to start the process, whether you're one year is probably you're running out of time if you're five years out if you if you have a potential buyer you have an associate that might want to join you you just want to plan for your retirement because you know your practice is is it still an asset it's worth it, it you worked for you worked there for 20 years building this so you want to be sure you get your, your money's worth, right? For all the hard work that, that you put in. So to, to do that, you just want to approach it correctly. You want to plan for it. So valuation is a great strategy to do that. You will know what it's worth, how the valuation is done, what the process looks like. 
what to look out for. You know, the, the analysts can often give you some tips on, you know, maybe your cost of goods sold is high, maybe your wages are too high. Hey, do you really need this expensive EMR? Uh, so th there, there are other ways to cut costs and sort of plan for that successful sale where you're going to get the, the, you know, the maximum amount you can get for the practice and the practice will, will continue thriving, thriving going forward and your patients will be taken care of. It's very important, I think. I love that. Well, Alex, thank you. This has been so insightful and I probably could talk to you for hours on this, um, but we don't have hours. I just, I love, you know, how you broke that down for us and hopefully our listeners appreciate the fact. So, you know, listeners, if you are considering, you know, needing an evaluation for your practice, which it sounds like, even if you're not, consider it and just see where you are. Give yourself peace of mind. But if you are considering, you know, selling your practice or, you know, that could happen in, you know, a short time period or even in the future, considering retirement or anything like that, um, please reach out to Alex. It's Alex Nechay, N-E-C-H-A-Y. You can find him at the nschbc.org website. Just go to find a consultant and you can type in his first name and he'll come right up. But Alex, thank you for being here today. We really appreciate all of your insight. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And that's it for us today, everyone. Please join us next month when I speak with fellow NSCHBC member Misty Harrelson on the RCM, so Revenue Cycle Management in your practice, and how to capitalize on your collection and reimbursement. Now, that's my neck of the woods, so I'm excited for that. And that's it for today. So everyone, make it a great day, a great rest of your month, and thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Join us on the second Tuesday of each month as our consultants tackle the complexities of navigating the business of medicine. You can reach us on the web at nschbc.org, the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants.